I think that packaging could be far more adventurous than it is. And I think it's a really exciting place to work. And I would love to be that big advert to get more designers to work in the branding and packaging field because it's really rewarding. And it's also, it's quite hard as well because you've got such a small space to catch someone's eye and to tell a story, but also to communicate trust. You know, you're there on the shelf with all your competitors side by side. I mean, what branding environment has its competitor on its left side and on its right side? Hi, this is Dan Rao, founder and brand strategist at DSR Branding. And you're listening to DSR Branding Presents. Join me as I interview brilliant business leaders on branding, marketing, design, and good business principles. These are people who think differently and have commercialized their creativity to do something remarkable. This episode is on transforming drinks brands through meaningful packaging design with Zoe Green. Zoe is the creative director and co-founder of Co-Partnership, a multi-award winning strategic branding and packaging agency that specializes in alcohol. Since 1998, Zoe's worked on some of the world's most iconic brands with some of the industry's most inspiring creatives, including Harry Pierce of Pentagram, Mary Lewis of Lewis Mobley, and Max Harkness, with whom she founded Co-Partnership with in 2011. She shares a great story from growing up in London's music scene, building a portfolio from scratch, packaging design for FMCG brands, designing a casino in Tanzania, and the highlights and challenges of their first decade at Co-Partnership. So it talks about what inspires her, explains the difference between designing food versus alcohol brands, how they get new clients, attracting and retaining great staff, and their design process for creating brands worth remembering. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with Zoe. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Zoe. You're welcome. It's lovely to be here. So we always kick things off the same way with a simple icebreaker. So what's your favorite brand and why? So I've thought about this and my favorite brand is Paul Smith. Um, Paul Smith is a um, fashion brand, a, a British fashion brand known for its tailored clothes for men, but he's also started a women's wear collection. And um, yeah, I just really enjoy um, his designs and his um his tailored clothes. I think um, he always brings something exciting to his suits. And he used to be a graphic designer and he turned um, into a, a tailor or a fashion designer um, in the 80s. And um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I started to, yeah, consciously decided to buy less, but buy better. Yep. And Paul Smith was one of those brands that um, I started to really engage with. And I just really enjoy the experience. I go into his shops and the customer service is just so pleasant and approachable. And there's always a surprise in his clothes. Like the inside lining is really bright or there's like, you know, something, some crazy pattern in the lining and, um, he really embraces color. Um, and his clothes just make me feel like I, I'm smart. I can be taken seriously. Um, they can give me a little bit of armor when I need it and, you know, get that um, sense of, you know, yeah, when you're in front of a client, you just feel really smart and professional. But yeah, they're, yeah. Still, they're still sort of creative and 
um, yeah, and it was a really nice story that came with it is uh, I've been wearing his clothes for a while now and um, I went into the shop uh, in London and, and I was telling them that I wore one of his suits to pick up an award. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and um, they were really interested in that and they, they said, oh, have you got a photograph? And I shared them the photograph and left my trousers there to be to be mended. And then when I went and picked up my trousers, there was a signed photograph. The, the photograph was signed and in a silver frame and uh, had a message from Sir Paul himself. And wow. it was just really, really nice, that sort of personal touch. So, yeah, I think he's... That's one of my favorite brands. Yeah, he he's a specialist in his field. He has different price points, different tiers. It's very accessible. He brings joy to his work and I I really really enjoy that. I think there was one more that I had yeah. um, in this answer which was it's going to surprise you but I love the brand. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just such a completely um it's just such a witty name to call to to call it a butter um yeah. and it just shows you know as a packaging designer branding a packaging designer i just love the idea that you can have a name that does all the heavy lifting that has so much personality um and it's sort of not trying to be something it's not it shows you know i'm a tub of manufactured margarine but i can still <laughs> have personality and character yeah. so I thought I would uh, share those two with you. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, just inspiring. I think it was, um, was it Fabio who used to be on the TV commercials for I Can't Believe It's Not Butter? Oh, maybe in Australia. Yeah, I can't it was. remember that for, from Britain, but I just remember when it came out, it's just one of those brands that it was like, wait, what did you say? And <laughs> it just, <laughs> just has this crazy name. And uh, yeah, it was really entertaining and it just brought a, a it was just really refreshing to just have a brand that was like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to yeah. own the fact that I'm not a real butter, but I'm nearly, I'm just yeah. as good as. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, it's a great example of, um, I don't know, a really iconic brand that sort of, I guess, made a big difference in the market. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about the butter or Paul Smith? <laughs> well, well, both. I mean, I love Paul Smith. I like how you mentioned the, um, like the lining of a suit jacket or something like that. And those details, those minor details that, you know, as a designer, you would, yeah, really pick up on and, and love. But I guess there's any anyone who's just wearing the who's wearing the clothes just to just to have that sort of I guess that deeper engagement with a product. Like it's not just simply a, a suit jacket. It's something more. Yeah, exactly. And just it's just that idea of elevating a mm. classic um piece and um I've seen like their shoes they might do like something on the sole yeah. of the shoe or like a pattern or a design. And then like their socks are really cool and stuff like that. So like you said, they've got entry-level products, but also, um, you know, really high-end. Yeah, and I've, all, I mean, I'm a girl who loves dressing like in a in a in quite um, masculine clothes. I quite like the the suit the suit look. Yeah, maybe it's the London in me, but I just think <laughs> that's it's just cool to look dapper. And yeah. uh, I often we'll go into a clothes shop and just walk straight to the men's section because I just like it. I like the I like the way that men dress and I think it's, um, I really like uh, one of my earliest inspirations was Annie Lennox and just how she dressed in that way and Grace Jones and just had that, you know, just that uh, more androgynous feel to them. So I suppose Paul Smith sort of delivers that for me as well. Yeah, cool. 
And so, so how did you know you wanted to be a designer? How did that? Yeah. So I grew up in the, in the eighties. I was very influenced by my surroundings. I grew up in London. I had, um, I had a nan that lived in Camden town. And so I was, <laughs> I was exposed to, uh, you know, punks and goths and Rastafarians and, you know, new romantics. And I, it was a very visual experience as a child. And, um, I suppose I always was creative as a, as a young child. My parents are creative in, in their own way. And, um, is it, so I was always going to do something artistic, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a designer. Um, and I had a, there's a strong design presence in my household. Um, my dad um, turned a coal bunker into a Wendy house and you know, there was a sense of design around me. Um, and, you know, mum would always make clothes for me. And so I was really excited by creativity being um, you know, a career in some way, but I was quite overwhelmed with all the different versions of it. And I was inspired by the fashion industry and architecture. So after going to art school, um, I sort of fell in love with the London underground music scene. And so actually it slightly derailed my degree. And um, (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was quite, um, I'm quite lured to the dance floor in the nineties. <laughs> um, and actually that introduced me to graphic design and I started designing record labels and album covers for, um, yeah, just for like, uh, jungle and hip hop, um, oh, awesome. sort of alternative music scenes. And so graphic design kind of found me and, um, and so, yeah, I left, how do I explain this? So I didn't really uh, get the best out of my degree as maybe I could have done. Um, I was too busy on the dance floor. Um, and so I, I graduated without, um, without a portfolio that was really that useful. It was quite artistic. I was quite an artistic um, graphic designer. So lots of drawings and I didn't know how to use a computer and, um, those were the days where computers were just being introduced into um, design training. Um, and I decided to answer a lot of my briefs with an Omnicron machine and a photocopier machine. So I was very hands-on as a creative, which was great. But then when you try and graduate, um, I didn't actually have the, the tools to actually set myself up as a you know, useful junior to anyone. So long story short, I learned how to touch type and I became a receptionist in a um, in a, an, an Anglo Dutch design agency. <laughs> and uh, in my evening, I started designing album covers and record sleeves, and that's how I became a designer. Um, wow! Yeah, it's a it's a strange path. Um, I wasn't a very good receptionist, <laughs> especially not with those long Dutch names. So I was terrible. <laughs> And so did you move on from there and get a job in design? 
Yes. So um, after the day, I'd say to the team, oh, can I sit on a, a computer? And uh, because the computers weren't on everyone's desk back then, there was a, they, everyone had the easels and the Pantone pens and there was a bank of computers on the side of the studio. So I used to get on the computer after six and everyone had gone home. And I taught myself how to use the computer. And I um, was designing and learning programs like Freehand and Photoshop at the same time. Um, and they were... I obviously drew a lot of attention from that. Like, what are you doing? I thought you were, you know, receptionist. And I was like, well, actually, I'm a graphic designer. I've got a degree. And so suddenly they were like, oh, can you bring in your portfolio? And so I brought my portfolio in and um, I became their first junior within about three months of that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then I thought... Um, what have I done? Because it wasn't the design that I was doing in my spare time. I was designing Dutch dog food and Dutch <laughs> uh, orange juice, and it was all in a different language. And yeah. I was just designing, and I, I just didn't. There was this huge uh, disconnect from what I was doing in my spare time to to my day job. So, so yeah, that was that was my first ever job, and my and set me off as a branding and packaging designer. That's cool. And where did you move on to from there? So I um, stayed there um, for about six years and basically I cut my teeth on FMCG branding and packaging um, and learnt, um, I did a lot of food. And then I, um, and then this is interesting because I got to a point where I was really disillusioned with what I was actually doing and I was supplementing my creativity during the day with um, graphics from, you know, graphic design briefs from the record industry in my spare time. So I was obviously wanting to do something more exciting, I suppose. But I didn't have a portfolio that was going to open any doors for me. So I invented a portfolio and I spent the next nine months um, coming up with uh, answers to my own briefs that I'd set myself and I created a portfolio that um, would get me into the best agencies that, that London had to offer. Wow. And um, so, I, yeah, I built a portfolio um, and visualised it to an inch of its life and I was, I'd also never had a design interview because I'd come from being a receptionist. So I think I carried three portfolios in <laughs> to one of my first interviews and then three sketchbooks and then some little mock-ups and just, yeah. just to sort of prove, you know, that I, I had the skills and <laughs> I had no, I had no, I had my, my confidence was pretty low and I kind of knew I was talented, but over the years it's sort of worn down. Um, so I went to three job interviews in three weeks and got three job offers. And I, <laughs> I was the most surprised individual in London, I promise you. Um, but I was on cloud nine and one of those job offers was at a very prestigious agency um, called Lewis Mobley, which aren't really um, as well known as they should be, but they were um, founded by a woman called uh, Mary Lewis, who is really one of the um, one of the queens of branding and packaging design um, in London and in the industry. And um, so, yes, I was trained by her 
in many ways for the next four years. And um, I was very um, blessed to be there. And my hard work paid off because from day one, you kind of got the sense, no, this is a a creative-led agency as opposed to a client-led agency. And so I really, um, basically, I pretty much did a degree again, if you like. I my train the training there was that good um and so that was the next four years and then I left and I worked at Pentagram for um about a year which was an amazing experience um a really truly uh incredible design studio I was uh, very happy to to have that um, time with them and then um a quick a few um, stints at freelancing and then I moved to Australia where I um, more or less started my business about 10 years ago. Wow. I want to go back and just ask about the building the portfolio. So you said you wrote those briefs but were they for real brands that you sort of created a brief on their behalf or were they for like how, take me through that just because that would be yeah, sure. that's really interesting to sort of craft it yourself and you know I guess create it from scratch. I think it was, it was a while ago now. I think it was a mix. <laughs> it was a mixture of um, definitely, you know, some concepts that were that, that didn't progress in the designs phase. Well, I, I was that young designer that would walk across the room and be like, "What are you doing? Uh, why am I not on that brief?" Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, really hungry. And that's awesome. And then, <laughs> and then you'd. You take their brief home. Well, I would take their brief home and I'd do it at the weekend on my own time because I just wanted to to do it. Like I was so excited by the opportunity. Um, I always put down really wild um, answers that were very unfeasible but kind of <laughs> made everyone sit up straight. So I remember someone telling me um, years later, that I, I remember putting down a bottle of, spirits and it had a, a psychedelic label that if you turned it sort of cr- made crazy sort of clashing changing shapes and it was just totally ridiculous and impossible to achieve but I suppose the excitement of it and the enthusiasm of it was really captured and it was just about taming that um uh so when I came to my portfolio um I probably, I think I used versions of that. And then um, I did a few, had a few, you know, projects um, where I would, uh, yeah, I remember redesigning a chocolate bar that I thought I could improve that on. And then I had a, a project on the side, which was for um, a friend of mine. So it was a case of one or two live projects, a lot of projects that never made it and then projects where I went out and set myself the brief and so that I made sure that when I looked across the portfolio I had a variety of work that really showcased my skills as a designer and they weren't um, they weren't dominated by the actual briefs that I'd got I didn't yeah I didn't have any guidance I was just going off intuition and a determination to get into a really good agency um and I remember Mary Lewis sitting down and looking through my work really really fast um and I thought oh that's not gone very well um <laughs> and then I got a job offer the next day so I was very delighted um, yeah. and yeah I, I encourage anyone to be that proactive about yeah. it that's great so when you were taking those briefs home at night and working on them 
did you ever take them back and sort of present your concepts to the other creatives? Or <laughs> I'm just thinking if, if yeah, they're thinking no, like, who's, who's this upstart coming, you know, doing, redoing our work or something like that? No, I didn't. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, the first I wanted to open the portfolio, I mean, we're talking about a physical portfolio. Yeah. We're not talking about a website or anything or yeah, an yeah. iPad. So the first the first turn of the portfolio, I remember it was a bottle of um, spirit. I think it was a black uh, vodka or something. And it was a pure black glass. And um, around the neck, I'd put a, uh, a big, fat, gold, chunky chain around the neck. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then there was like this, and I think it had a name on the, the neck, you know, those um, necklaces that have names on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had, I think it had a big name. I think it was called Bling or something. <laughs> it was cut into the cut into the metal and then it went round the neck and then um, there was just this pure mirror on the glass and the visuals were really good. That's cool. Um, and then the, the typography was really, really nice. Like I looked at Absolute Vodka and I learned about, I just used to look at the typography and I'm like, how is that working? Break it down. Um, so it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like any musician, they emulate, they emulate to learn the rules and yeah. then, then they're on their way and then they can start breaking those rules. So I would be doing the same thing. I'd just research how do you do that? Why does it look so good? I'd break it down, unpick it and then build it again. And that's then awesome. that's how I learned how to do it. Yeah. That's cool. So you came out to Australia and started co-partnership 10 years ago. Can you take me through, I guess, the decision to found that agency or the studio? Yeah, that was um, interesting. So I met Max, um, my business partner at Lewis Mobley in London. Um, we both um, were working together. He originally was a client service and I was a designer. And in our spare time, we started building a coffee brand together. <laughs> um, we were just uh, had the had the chemistry, had the dynamics straight away, and um, we were very driven together. And Max was um, Max was quite disillusioned with the design industry at the time, and he decided he wants to go and learn how to roast coffee and start a coffee brand. So, so we had this to context a co partnership was Max and I working together, and. Um, when I, I decided to start traveling and freelancing and letting the one pay for the other. And uh, I went to Tanzania and I uh, freelanced in Africa, which was wow. exciting. And then, yeah, that, that's a, a, a designed a casino. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Was it fun to do the design work for a casino? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, it's such an amazing thing to to design for a different culture and we do that all the time and um yeah I went to Tanzania spent a month there and um designed uh, for some charities and I designed a casino and I remember going to the casino to take photographs and I was the star attraction without trying to be <laughs> you know, this uh, this English white girl in pretty like a yeah, Dar es Salaam and just people around me wondering why I was taking a picture of the outside of a casino, <laughs> which I was going to cover with graphics and then yeah. going inside the casino to take photos was not a good move. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, they wouldn't like that, would they? 
no, they didn't like that. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> had a few, few gestures to get out. So yeah. yeah, it was an exciting year. So I did some design work in Amsterdam and some in, in Africa and then New York. And then Sydney was, um, one of the, one of the spots on the journey. Um, and I came here, um, for three months and, um, uh, Max is already here and his, uh, we'd, so we'd worked together already and, and, uh, uh, Max's mum was, um, uh, a graphic designer for 20 years, um, working out of Adelaide, um, um, predominantly working as a wine label designer, um, and facilitating the, um, the sort of, uh, Australian wine industry with, um, with great design. She was very successful. Um, she designed Yellowtail and wow. uh, lots of lots of iconic Australian uh, What's her brands. Name? Her name's Barbara Harkness. I would recommend her as one of your oh, interviews. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so that was my business partner's mum. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, so she'd run a business um, for 20 years and um, she'd offered it to Max um, when he was in London, but he was having too much fun. Um, <laughs> and so when he came back, she sort of offered it again and she was looking to move on and um, have a career as an artist. So the pair of us were sort of in this position where we were like, okay, we, you know, she got the odd phone call because um, her business had sort of had sort of finished. It was more of a, a really good contact list and she would get the odd phone call here and there um, about a, a, a prospective job. And so at the very early stages, Max and I would, um, you know, take on, take on the, the, the small change here and there and, and li- literally started that way. It was, we started a design agency with an address book, a very good address book. And, you know, uh, the mentorship of, um, Max's mum and, um, and our own skills, obviously, um, so we, uh, yeah, we built, we built a, a drink specific agency quite early and just based on. Was that, that was always the focus to specialize and focus purely on drinks and packaging design? Yeah. So I've only ever done branding and packaging design. Um, so that's all I've ever known. Um, but I've, it was not a conscious decision to only specialize in alcohol from the beginning but it was the only jobs that we were getting and it was the, it was, um, we would get, I think we designed a, co- we designed a coffee brand and we designed an acai product. Um, we designed a shower gel and, but it was about 90% alcohol. And so we just kept doing, um, work and getting repeat business. Um, so also it's an interesting, very interesting space to specialize in and, and Max comes from, he doesn't just come from a wine branding family. He comes from Adelaide, which is a wine industry um, region. So, um, you know, he grew up um, in and around the wine industry and um, has it, has an enormous knowledge that he brings to projects. Um, so it was, it is a really, really nice area to specialize in. And um, it just, it just became natural progression we didn't say no to any alcohol um brief and the it became harder and harder for us to sell to uh, food packaging because we just had so much um, work in alcohol but 
yeah, so it's interesting because I've spent about 11 years designing food and beverages, and now I've spent about 11 years um, designing alcohol. So, um, yeah, it's been, um, I feel like I'm a quite a balanced, very good <laughs> balance now. <laughs> As a side note, do you drink? I do drink. I'm not a big drinker, but I'm a, a big fan of drinking less but drinking better. Yeah, I imagine you'd have a... Um... A pretty cool liquor cabinet. It is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> the team are very spoiled. Yeah. So every Friday we open a very nice bottle of wine and yeah. we have very nice cheese and <laughs> um, they can have anything they want. But yeah. um, we always try and open a, a wine because it goes so well with cheese, I suppose. And That's um, awesome. we talk to the team. Yeah, have lots of tastings here and lots of wine education, lots of drinks education. Um, yeah, it's definitely a perk of the job. But it must be very I hard mean, to God find knows, staff. God knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it can be. But um, the, the, the cleaner, the cleaners probably think we're having a party the half the time. <laughs> like they, it's just there is bottles everywhere, Dan, everywhere <laughs> on every surface. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're just like, these guys, these guys really, uh, know their work-life balance. Yeah. We really know how to party. In (laughs) fact, we're going to have a big party next year. So we'll make sure we invite you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So take me through sort of the early days of co-partnership. You know, what was maybe one of the first projects that you worked on? Oh, this is a long story, um, but a good one. Um, so yeah, I think, we started life um, doing odds and odd jobs here and there, and we really um, hit our stride when we um, uh, won a, uh, a job to rebrand a bulk winemaking facility in South Australia. They were called um, Stonehaven Wines, and um, they wanted us to refresh their to help them build a portfolio of wines and also um, present them as a, you know, credible bulk making wine facility. Um, so we traveled down to Padthaway and we learned about the brand and met all the owners and we worked successfully for about nine months together. Um, we built lots of really great projects um, together. And um, one of those projects is the Hidden Sea, which is, um, on our website at the moment. And we, um, we hit about, about, after about nine months of working together, um, we started to get uh, a lot, uh, the project started to slow down um, in terms of the payment of the projects. And uh, there was lots of excuses that would come through about, uh, you know, we just need to sell it in here to be able to pay you. And, at this time, Max and I, I hadn't really earned our business acumen. You know, our business instinct was sort of early, yeah. early on. And um, I was thinking, there's something not right here. And, oh, no. You know. But, the spidey senses are going off. Yeah, but you, you, you haven't. Uh, you're still quite inexperienced at that point. Um, and, you know, this was a client which had signed all the contracts up front. We were, you know, getting paid in advance of each project. So we were doing all the right things. Um, you know, we had a mentor, um, you know, Max's mum. So we'd, we'd get that check-in on doing everything by the book. But still, uh, there was a real um, 
slowing down of payments. And so in the end, long story short, uh, he turned, the business owner turned out to be fraudulent. And um, we had about 80,000 caught up in that. Uh. Sucks. Which was every, everything we had, you know. Yeah. Um, and all the brands went down with it that we created that year. So our entire portfolio that was going to set us up as a business all went down the drain. Uh, I had to had to ask for money from our parents. I had to I sold my flat in London to be able to put money back into the business to keep going. Um, the the I mean we were we were probably one of the success stories because we survived, but I think a lot of great growers may have not, not got through it. Um, there were a lot of people caught up in the fraud. Um, he, apparently he was siphoning money off into his own account. He was flying first class around the world. Um, yeah, so we, we really um, had, a, had a hard time there, but we were looking. What came out of the ashes was the hidden sea. So the new owners of um, Stonehaven Wines rebranded it and we ended up um, working with them to bring the hidden sea to life. So that was a really, really great thing um, to have at the end of that first year. But it was definitely a learning curve. It's the first project you ever do, the first client you ever have. Turns out to be fraudulent. Um, yeah, it was a touch and go there for a minute. Yeah, wow. It would have been a really tough lesson to learn, to have to learn in the first 12 months. Thankfully, you had a beautiful portfolio piece in the hidden sea was that something that really helped bring in new clients and new work off the back of that yeah it was absolutely I think um the hidden sea was was a great piece of work to showcase um that we wanted to do something different I suppose as a design agency and um it's an amazing story um and we just we, we spent a lot of time persuading uh, the client to to put their focus there um, because obviously they they'd lost a lot of money they'd um, just inherited a bulk wine making facility they had lots of things they needed to do but we knew this brand was um, something that they should uh, uh, you know bring to life and so the hidden sea tells a story of um, the inland sea um, of that region and uh, a tractor was driving along one of the vineyards and fell down a sinkhole. And when they pulled it out, they found the backbone of a whale fossil. Wow. Um, and we're several kilometers in from land. And the whole region used to be an ancient sea. And there's, it's riddled with, um, you know, sea fossils. Wow. And um, it's incredible, isn't it? And so underneath this premium uh, vineyard and the whole region is uh, – you know, grade one vineyards. Um, there's uh, this layer of limestone, which is full of ancient mineralized fossils. And it helps uh, actually filter the water that, um, you know, when it, when it falls through the ground, it helps filter the water. And then it really feeds really nutritious water to the roots of the vines. Um, so we wanted to bring that story to life. And we uh, engaged an um, illustrator, typographer um called john contino in brooklyn who just has a really textural quality to his work mm. and um we just wanted to uh, him to bring that story to life we love working with illustrators they just bring so much originality to work and he was 
he was a dream to work with and um we we screen printed the design on the glass and yeah, so looking at it. um yeah it, it was it's deliberate amazing. to make it feel textural so when it it actually feels like a fossil in some ways because it's all gritty and smooth at the same time. So cool. We'll post a link to the showcase in the show notes. So awesome. people can see it. It looks, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it was a great piece to put out in the world and for people to start noticing what we're doing. So yeah, yeah every cloud. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> thankfully there was some silver lining to come out of that tough lesson of your first year in business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you guys have a, a typical approach that you guys follow to a design project? Um, yes, there definitely are um, processes, um, but they are flexible enough to, to lead us along whilst not being a straight jacket. Um, so, I mean, yeah, design is a process, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you need to know when to take a step back. So having a framework um, so, so when you lose your way, it's really, it's really invaluable. Um, but it also depends on, you know, what you're inheriting. So if you're redesigning your brand, you're obviously inheriting things versus creating a brand from scratch. You're, you're actually looking at the problem in a different way. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely pr- proud of the way we get there on all projects and, how the client and the design team come together in partnership to find the solution for the brief. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a, there's definitely, you know, exercises that we lean on. Um, but you have to, you have to know what's, what's where to put your attention, I suppose. Um, so you, yeah, it come, comes with experience. And take me through, I guess, like the journey with a client, like what would you guys seek to do in an ideal situation? I mean, it sounds like you go to the region or you go to where the product is made. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really important to um, experience as much of um, the, the, the problem that you're going to solve or the, the brand that you're going to work for. Um, and it's a nice way when you're, um, it's a nice way when you're a business owner to, to marry um, sort of holidaying with um, work because you, you just have such a, a different structure um, when you're a business owner you have to sort of take every opportunity to get a work-life balance and so um, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone and <laughs> yeah. go up and visit the beautiful Byron Bay and actually learn about the brand and go around and taste the product and yeah. meet the family behind the brand or whatever it is and then also have a nice weekend. <laughs> yeah. Are there, so for example, Byron Bay, is there, is there a project that you'd like to talk about in relation to that one? Oh, I could lovely to talk about Brookies. I, I love working on that brand. And yeah. that was a really nice example of, of how we work um, with, with a client. I mean, that's we the work Brookies with, Byron Gin, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the Mac, uh, yes. Macadamia Nut Liqueur. Yeah. And, Brookie, sorry, you know, Brookies Gin. Brookies, yeah. So that's a family-owned brand. Obviously, we work with lots of um, big, big uh, corporate clients, which where we work differently. But in the case of Brookies, um, we went up and we visited the distillery. And at the time, they weren't even they hadn't even built it. They just had this um, vision that they wanted to bring to life, and they had this pile of dirt in the middle of the rainforest, which was their um, 
dream to build a distillery in the heart of their rainforest. There's such passionate family um, about regenerating the rainforest there. Um, and they had bought a macadamia nut farm 30 years ago and they it was stripped of all of its foliage. It had um, it was just barren. I think it was a uh, government um, uh, initiative to, to strip the land ready for farming. Um, and so they planted macadamia trees, which take about 30 years to actually get a harvest. I might be completely wrong there, but right. I think I'm right in <laughs> saying that it takes a while to get a yeah. harvest on macadamia trees. And so the family um, uh, built a muesli brand um, from from the macadamias, and um, that's something that is quite established and has become, I suppose, became a bit of a springboard for them to then go into the um, distillery. So um, we were invited up there and um, we took ourselves around the, the macadamia farm and we learned about uh, their sustainability practices and how they wanted to um, bring a brand to life that um, stood for um, sustainability but also used uh, native botanicals and ingredients in the liquid. So it was uh, it was really great um to sort of hear, if you like, from a horse's mouth, like what they wanted to do. And just when you go and visit a place, you you see as a designer, you're more you're such a sponge in those moments. You you see different um things around uh the location that can inform and inspire ideas for design. And actually what happened is they had these metallic tags that hung from the macadamia trees and it inspired the uh, raw metallic um tin capsule on the um gin and that's one of the ways that we love to work and um we just sort of wanted to make it feel really authentic and um every design decision we make is is rationalized and given um a reason for being there so that was really nice to to present that back and so our process from there would be go back back to the studio and we would uh you know do a strategic stage for the client and um you know really understanding um the the vision of the brand um and then uh going uh presenting that and then going into design um and yeah it was uh, it's a beautiful brand i'm really proud of it uh we came up with the um the creative thought it's in our nature which is on the brand itself and it's just really nice to to work in a way that um sets a brand up for success so you've got this you know you've got this tagline if you like that talks to the values of the brand and it also talks to the the values of the family and then so you have this uh copper letter b which Mm. sits in the middle of um, the emerald green paper and that's to uh, bring memory of the copper steel that sits in the heart of the rainforest, which is where the distillery is. Um, and then you see the little trick in the letter B where yeah. you've got the foliage. Um, and then the signature is really to talk to the family. You know, it's the family's signature. It's, um, it makes it a bit more personal and they really wanted to create a, um, a London dry gin style, um, mm-hmm. 
but have a have a sense of craft. They didn't yep. want to create a craft gin. They wanted to create something that you know had it was a classic take yep. um, on a craft gin, if you like. So it's a really good product as well, and it's uh, printed on um, recycled sugar cane. So oh, we, that's awesome. um, yeah, again, we try and use print production to um, bring to life the idea, and mm. um, that's uh, that's what's. That's what's nice working with Max is that he often looks at the problem through um, the technical um, possibilities and uh, uses the uses that to help solve the problem. So yeah, it was it was a really nice project. And then Mac came a couple of years later, um, yeah. which is a very different product with the Shaka. It's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, and that's a really really delicious drink. So what is it? <laughs> It's a macadamia nut liqueur. I think it's a roasted wattle seed and macadamia nut liqueur. And it's got um, a roasted wattle seed uh, has a really nutty kind of coffee flavor. That's cool. Um, so it's not a sweet drink. It's quite savory. It's a bit like burnt butter. I like to, <laughs> I like to have it with ice and lime. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very nice. You'd have like a small glass over ice sort of thing or? Yeah, yeah, I think it's <laughs> Are you a very... not going to have a schooner of, of Mac? Or... <laughs> no, you wouldn't have a schooner, although you might dilute it with something nice. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we brought some really nice copywriting to that brand, and I think yeah. copywriting is a sort of lovely way to bring um, an idea and personality into what you're doing. So I, I, if I can remember rightly, it says, I'm a versatile little nutter. Um, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it's nice to talk to the versatility of the product, yeah. so... You know, you can make uh, you can make uh, espresso martinis with it. You can make um, you can have it neat. You can mix it and all sorts of things. So, so yeah, it's That's great, cool. and it was it's a really rewarding to work with a family that um, you know uh, want you to bring something so personal for them to life. Uh, mm. So yeah, really proud of those two. They're awesome. We'll post links to those as well. And then, so you obviously do the label, but in terms of the bottle design, how do you guys influence that? Is that all you as well in terms of, you know, every part of the glass bottle? It depends. Um, on that particular project, they'd already bought the glass and it was getting shipped over. So it's a bit like working with a brand. You don't know what you're going to inherit. Um, I've just been working on a project this week, actually, which uh, needed structural design. Um, so you um, obviously you have to understand what's technically feasible for that particular client. And then you either do um, one or two steps. The, it's either you, you visualize something and then um, you would then pass that to a structural designer and the structural designer obviously works with volume and um, technically what's technically going to stand up um, you know, it's, it's more like engineering at that point. Um, or you can go straight to a structural designer. Um, so those those projects are, are, are really exciting when you can actually influence the storytelling into the glass. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable to bring those to life. So, yeah. That's cool. What are some of the challenges that you may face with the work that you do? Um, lots of challenges i mean when the when the design changes between it leaving our artwork department and when it gets printed without us being informed that's <laughs> that's quite a challenge how does that happen 
uh, so you can you can do the artwork and then it can leave the studio and then um, there the may printers. be yeah there or? may be change there may be changes that have come up, come about through the process so the you know the ingredients may have changed or uh, okay, uh, yeah. le- legal get to see it and you can't you know you can't write that there or that's not big enough and and things need to be changed and it's mm. so late in the process that it's still it's actually with the printers so um things can be chained on press and um as talented as printers are they're not designers so they don't <laughs> no. they don't realize that when they're taking <laughs> words off they're changing they're changing layout they're changing yeah. uh, hypographic decisions that have probably taken weeks and weeks to come up with and so that's kind of heartbreaking um i definitely say it's not a challenge that um i've managed to fix yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> put smile um i think um i think one of the challenges that i face in the work that i do is maybe comparable size design studios um dropping their prices mm. which can devalue the industry overall so yeah i feel that the industry could work better at putting a higher value on what they do. Um, and, you know, the under evaluation of intellectual property and creativity as a whole, I think that's uh, a, a real discussion point um, with the industry. Um, and designers working for free. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they just give away so much value and they, yeah, I think that's something that um, I'd say is a challenge in the industry. And um, I also think that um, having a specialism, I know you said like, oh, I'm, I'm sure it's easy for you to find stuff with all that alcohol around, but <laughs> actually having a specialism means it's it's a lot harder to find the right stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah it would be. And, and I imagine you have such high attention to detail and, and probably such a, I imagine you're very, um, yeah, you guys would be incredibly particular with the skills and, and the, the skill set that you're looking for in people to join. Yeah, I, we, we are. I mean, we understand that when we hire people, we have to invest in them because um, it's, such a, it's such a different type of work. Um, it's such a specialism it, um, that you, you have to invest in them. So you have to make sure that, you know, you hire people that, First of all, you have to hire on culture. You have to hire mm. people with great attitude can do great things. So yeah. our, our number one criteria is always um, cultural fit and attitude. And, you know, work can be stressful sometimes. And if you've got a positive can-do attitude, someone who, who embraces things and um, isn't going to bring everyone else down, then we can get through it together and, so it's it's really important that that's the first the first way you hire someone, and then secondly, of course, if they're a designer, their thinking is the most valuable thing that they can bring to a project. Um, because there's a lot of uh, packaging specialists under this roof, so really the thinking is a thing that um, that you know is is the highest value product that we can offer a client. Yeah. Um, and then also, um, but yeah, just great people um, that that want to transform brands and um, want to work in partnership with clients. You know, we like to say that 
we work with people, not for people. Yeah, and that, that cool. goes that goes from you know internally to externally. With the clients that you work with, is it quite a long relationship that you would have? So you might design, you know, for example, the family behind Brookie's Gin, like you did their London Dry Gin, and then was it a few years later that you did Mac? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's really nice um, when when you have a relationship, and I think that's it. That's one of the founding philosophies behind our name is that we partner with clients to build brands and um, because they need to come to the party with us we need to meet in the middle and we need to solve it together and um, so you know we we want to um, create technical feasible technically feasible you know realistic solutions for our clients we want to help them get to where they need to be Um, we want to work with you know, people, um, to, to solve problems that they have. And, and so we hope that that attitude, um, keeps us, uh, building good relationships for the long run. And I've certainly, um, had many enjoyable relationships with, with clients and not many bad ones. So yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the job, isn't it? Is to have relationships with the clients. Quickly, ideally. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, especially the, the fraudulent ones. Oh, yes, yeah. So, Zoe, what advice would you give to the people who are looking to do design for branding and packaging? Um, well, the advice I'd give to people doing alcohol brands is don't underestimate how hard it is because I think branding and packaging design for food and branding and packaging design for alcohol is um it's quite they're quite different drinks design isn't something you can just pick up and put down again um it's it's quite um it's a more of a luxury sector Mm. so often you're designing for quite high price points and therein lies a very different consideration to fast-moving consumer goods which are you know, I can't believe it's not butter. It's coming off the shelf very quickly. And so you've got different design considerations there. So I just say you've really got to study the subject um, and practice. Um, And in terms of, uh, I think as well, like design briefs, you can go further than what the brief has said. I always believe in, in uh, presenting, um, you know, close into further out. That's a term that a lot of design agencies use, but, you know, really giving, taking the client on a journey and actually giving them what they've asked for and then giving them what they didn't even know they could, they could have. And yeah, so cool. that pushes you as a designer and it also, um, it, it, you're doing your job as a designer. You're taking the client to a place they didn't even know their brand could reach that potential. And and it might not be right for them, but at least they've had a glimpse of the future and what it could be and yeah, it will help right. them decide what's right. So I think that packaging could be far more adventurous than it is. And I think it's a really exciting place to work. And I would love to be that big advert to get more, designers to work in the branding and packaging field because it's really rewarding and it's also it's quite hard as well because you've got such a small space to catch someone's eye and to tell a story but also to communicate trust you know you're there on the shelf 
with all your competitors side by side. I mean, what branding environment has its competitor on its left side and on its right side? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it has probably some of the harshest lighting and it's probably some of the worst shopping <laughs> condition. And you've got this silent salesman on the shelf and it's just got to scream but not scream. You know, it's got to give you all of the right feelings. It's got to communicate trust and reassurance, but excitement and personality. And it's a real challenge. You know, it's a really rewarding place to work. And it's complex, technical, um, but full of, full of opportunity. And I think like when you go to the butter section and you see that little charming chap going, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> yeah, you might not buy it, but there's something really nice about being entertained, yeah. you know, even when you're shopping for butter. So <laughs> I hope that sounded inspiring because it was a bit of a sales pitch to no, the no, design I mean, industry. It is I, love, <laughs> I love what you say about like, it's not often that you're sitting alongside your competitors in, the, in a shop. Yeah. With uh, basically hoping someone will buy based on your cover, unless on what's on the outside to try it. You know, I think about going into bottle stores. I'm not actually a big wine drinker. So if I have to buy wine for a gift, I'm buying purely off price and design. You know, I'm, I've probably, in my mind, set a budget for how much I want to spend for that person or for, you know, yeah, for that person. And then I'm either taking the advice of the sales assistant or looking at the designed designs on the bottle, maybe the award badges or maybe the, um, yeah, basically how creative it is. But the drinks companies know that about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're the sort of things that come in our briefs all the time. I mean, we, we get to, we, you have to work so much further upstream than just the actual graphics themselves you have to understand how people shop you know what what their perception is at that price point what they're looking for what what's the occasion that they want to drink this with and um do they want to be seen with that brand what's the bar call there's so many layers um to drinks design uh, it's really really rewarding it's also yeah it's quite um psychological mm. um, as well and what are some of your favorite packages or like alcohol brands that you've seen? Maybe that you guys haven't designed, but that you guys look at and be like, yeah, that's really cool. Have you got any that you can think of or any classically designed sort of spirit bottles or anything like that that you guys sort of reference as, you know, that's brilliant work? Um, oh, you put me on the spot then. Yeah, I, I think know. the one that came straight to mind was um, uh, I really like Stolen Rum, which is all the – the complete opposite of um, a, uh, a highly crafted drinks label. It's just like, give me a texter, right, stolen rum, that's it. And <laughs> I, it's just a scribble on a yeah. white label. That's um, cool. But I'm the, looking at it now, yeah. The, the, it's so clever with mm. the idea is in the name. Yeah. And then the solution leads back to the name and – it's just so smart. I think it's, um, you know, whether it's good uh, rum is another question because that's the other layer is that what do you want to drink versus, yeah. you know, what you think is cool. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think oh, uh, that's the only one I can think of right now, which is a really poor answer. No, no, that's all right. That's, I mean, that's a brand I've never heard of. So it's exciting to see that. I'm not a big rum, I'm not okay. a rum drinker, but I'll uh, <laughs> to check it out. I think. I'm not a rum drinker. Yeah. So how do you explain the value of the work that you do to potential clients? 
Mm. I always try and um, help them see the bigger picture. So, yes, we're, we're designing the primary package for them. But if you do it well, you can set that brand up outside of that packaging playground. So you can give it a language that works in an advert or, or um, in other comms areas. You can set it up with a, a strategic plan um, so that whenever you express the brand online or on Instagram or um, you take the logo off the pack and you use it on a tote bag and all of those other elements they are well thought through and they hold the values of the brand and they hold the um, uh, expression of that brand. So all roads lead back to that primary product. Mm. And I feel that what we, what we work really hard to do is, is not lose sight of the fact that you might not meet the brand via the packaging. You might meet the brand via the website. You might meet it online or in Instagram or, you know, you might meet the brand in all these different contexts, but you've still got to get, a sense of that experience at the end of it. So um, I think that's one of the things that I like to share or work with the client on is actually just to, 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 to create solutions for the client that, that can work harder for them off pack and for the lifetime of the brand and really set them up with a kit, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Going forward. Yeah. And so your work is really highly awarded how do you decide which awards to enter? So um, the drinks industry um, has specific um, drinks awards. So, I mean, it's quite straightforward. There's not, it's not that hard. There aren't that many packaging specific awards. So um, you, we've just got a few that we enter into drinks awards and a few that we enter into design um, specifically Pacific awards and, um, there's normally, you know, one or two packaging sectors in the awards. Um, so we can sometimes, um, we normally just enter the ones that we feel are going to perform well. And I suppose we don't really, um, choose one over the other. We try and, um, enter the same, um, ones every year. Um, but yeah, we, we like to say, Awards on everything, but it's nice to be on the winning team. So we, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing to share with your team. You know, yeah. it's 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 nice to win and share the accolades. You know, with the rest of the industry, it's it's just I love seeing good design win an award, and I don't mm. care if it's someone else or if it's me. I just good on good on you. You know, you've you've won an award. I think it's brilliant, and um, it's it's a it's really exciting when you do win. It's, it's really, um, it's a great, uh, uh, moment for the team. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And how do you guys get new clients? How do we get new clients? Um, well, by doing good work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and by treating every job as if it's our last. And that's definitely something that, uh, I don't know where that's come from, but I feel like with every job, right, I've got to do the best thing I've ever done. Um, that's awesome. So you just get that sense that this could be the last job you get potentially. And word of mouth is often a way that we get um, new clients. And I think um, just making that good first impression, um, you know, putting your best foot forward and really working with them, um, 
when you get that opportunity, um, not traveling anywhere without getting a meeting is often a way of, of gotten new clients. So, you know, like I said earlier, if, if you go on a holiday, is there, is there someone you could meet when you go there? So you're always selling yourself. You're always, um, taking a creds deck with you and you, you're, you're always practicing how you present your business and how you present yourself, um, as a designer. Um, and yeah, learning as much about the client that you want to work with as possible. You know, what are their realities and their pressures? Um, there, I think there's not one way of winning a client. Um, but yeah, listening to them is a big, is a big, uh, part of, I think, uh, how we've won clients in the past. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, just being open to listening. What is their problem? And actually, trying to trying to uh, empathise with that problem and and come up with a solution. In new sales meetings or new client meetings, do you have a lot of the bottles that you've designed on display to sort of take them through and walk them through? Is that something that you guys would do? Yeah, we have done. If they're um, if it's that type of face to face meeting, um, we yeah we maybe pick some examples that are of a similar problem to solve um and that way you you can talk like you can talk the client through a case study and explain how um you solved uh, a problem which is you know has a similar maybe a similar challenge to what they have um and that way they can see your process and they can see how you tackled the problem but it's important to reserve time to talk about their brief and actually um and actually answer questions. It's really important that you don't just take uh, their answers as face value. You need to do due diligence to your own research and investigation mm. as well, because you might find something out that is a different perspective on the problem. Have you ever had influence over the actual product of a client's business? So like gone to understand that, you know, what goes into it, the ingredients and sort of help them evolve that? Like, have you ever tasted a client's liquor and been like, oh, that's not that great, but you know, we could create something, but have you thought of, you know, have you thought of maybe going back to the drawing board on this one and, and sort of tweaking something? Yeah, we have actually, it's really exciting space to work in. Um, we had one product which we, um, were tasked to, uh, I can't remember the title of the project, but it was a it was a white wine. It was a white wine blend, and we were asked to um, be a refreshing white wine. And I think we tasted the product and we uh, gave the client the feedback that we think that it would be improved uh, <laughs> yeah. if it was a, a sparkling product. But it was oh, all cool. about that strategic thought. So you know, yeah. we just directed all of our discussions back to the creative strategy to ask if we were accomplishing that goal and we, and it was about refreshment and we were just saying, you know, if your brief is refreshment, we feel that it could be more refreshing by spritzing the product. So I think it's a really good um, piece of advice is to always, you know, keep that strategic thought in mind. Um, but we, we love working upstream. We, we, we just did a piece with a client where we were innovating liquid ideas um, and that was that was really exciting. We um, partnered with a couple of experts in the field and um, uh, brought brought some liquid ideas to the client. So hopefully we can do more of that because I think if you if you're creative minded and you're drink specific, then it's kind of a logical step mm. to to go into. Yeah. It's a bit like um, 
a bit like a lab, a lab uh, <laughs> working on the side. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, so how do you attract and retain good people? Um, well, we have a studio dog. which <laughs> 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 definitely helps, but no, not really. I think it's definitely working on a culture of joy um, at Co-Partnership. We really believe, again, to just recruit with culture in mind first and foremost. And um, we believe in a strength-based working environment and having uh, lots of you know, clarity, clarity with our team. Um, so we, we definitely try and attract, uh, people through good design, but then we try and, um, recruit and retain people through culture and, um, that, that idea of working, um, in partnership together and with respect. And I suppose if you've got that great attitude, um, we can, we can do great things together. So, there's not one person that, that makes something happen. It's the team of us that does it. And we, we need, you know, everyone has good days and bad days, but at the end of the day, um, you, you, you come together and you build something you're really proud of. So yeah, we set the expectation for the team to contribute to those values of joy. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice, um, working environment. You, you're here so many hours of the day. You, you really need to come to work and look forward to it. So, yeah, so yeah, we, we've been doing yoga this week. Oh, cool. That's awesome. As a team. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and will you finish the weeks off with beautiful wine and cheese? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> there we do. What's a dream project for you guys? Um, well, I think for, for Max, a dream project is to, to bring uh, a beer brand to life. I know that, so Max is our um, in-house Walter White, if you like. He, uh, he loves. <laughs> yeah, he's the mixologist, is the chemist, the in-house chemist yeah, is in the is, lab. He is. He, uh, he's, he's, he's obviously, he's a trained barista and he decided not to go down that path, but um, he's, he's been brewing beer and learning how to brew and, um, has, uh, we want to build a beer brand together and we, we, we talk about it a lot. And I think that's definitely a dream project for him. I think for me, a dream project would be, um, I quite like the idea of, uh, creating a brand design school. I think that would be really exciting. Wow. Um, just to, I don't see many, um, design training training branding I see them training design but not mm. specifically branding so I I kind of think that that could be quite an exciting project like just a year-long course um after your degree potentially where you specialize in just branding so that's something that I think about um I'd also like to have a London office one day um <laughs> being a Londoner it's a nice way to get a bit more work-life balance potentially and see mum and dad and see my hometown. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're, we're planning a 10-year anniversary party next year and I'm just dreaming about how, how that's going to go. I'm very excited about that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really um, keen to, to, to mark the calendar um, with, with a big um, shindig. Yeah. Um, well, there'd be plenty of good booze there, and hope you oh know, my God. possibly yes. your own your own beer brand. And you could be kicking off 
a branding school off the back of it, maybe taking taking applicants. Yeah, that sounds just so squeeze, ambitious. Squeeze, squeeze a few things in. Um, yeah, I I think um, personally, my personal dream is to um, to design and build my own house. That's definitely that's cool. My personal dream. Yeah, I'd like to do that one day in Sydney. I don't know actually. Wherever I find the right plot of land, I want a view. A view of the ocean, or don't really mind. Just as long <laughs> as I have a view. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm chasing sun at the moment. Our apartment where we live in Brisbane has been built up with other buildings around us and I'm sick of it. I want nice outlook and sun. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds nice. <laughs> so how do you switch off from work? I switch off. Um, I do a lot of listening to music. I like buying records. Um, I'm thinking of buying a piano and learning how to play piano. Um, music is my... It's literally like a light switch for me. I can just change my mood, um, just play some great music. And, um, yeah, I was just, I guess, it, I, was in, I was sort of in the sidelines of the music industry for so long that it's still a big part of my life. And, yeah, so I really enjoy doing that. Um, I really enjoy um, walking. I've just started running. I think it's been a COVID um, situation but I've just started running and actually quite like it dare I say it so um I meditate as well I find that's a really nice way to switch off and something that on this journey of being a business owner has really um helped me um to press reset sometimes you want to press reset on the day sometimes you want to start the day in the right way and and it just takes no time whatsoever to to plug in and, 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 and follow a guided meditation. Um, and it's just a really nice way to, um, shake off the day. Do you have a specific app that you use? Yes. I enjoy Headspace, yeah. um, yeah, which is something quite um, easy to follow. And I love mm. the design of the app and yeah. there's animation. And I love it's the just animations. Really- yeah. The blue sky and the, um, you know, the crossing the road. I've had clients reference those animations in the past of being like, I'd love to, how do you find out? Yeah. How do you find out who does those animations? The Headspace animations? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really quirky and friendly and yeah, yeah they're, they're very well done. I think it's, it's, it's a highly awarded um, pod, uh, podcast um, meditation app, but just the mm. graphics and the communication yeah, of it. Really good. Yeah. Um, there's yeah so much so I, I really enjoy to be honest I really enjoy TV I've always enjoyed it <laughs> I, I really do I love film yeah. I've done a bit of acting um, oh, cool. in the last 10 years yeah I did a course at NIDA and oh, wow. um, yeah I, I'm a, maybe it's a it's something I just dream of like if I wasn't in the design industry I'd love to be in the film industry yeah I just think it looks like an amazing thing to be part of so yeah I love watching good acting and love watching good films and good scripts and the cinematography and the scores and the soundtracks that go with it and is there any any film in particular that stands out right now if you had to put you on the spot to think of as a a favorite or something that you've really enjoyed over the last few years there's two films that stand out for me over the last two years one is the joker or joker yeah it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible piece of work from the very moment the graphics first appear on the screen to um, just the, the script writing, the, 
the way it just doesn't tell that uh, cliche kind of Batman story. Um, it's, it's someone struggling with a mental illness and it's, it's, it's some of the most incredible acting I've ever seen. Um, I could have given it a standing ovation in the cinema. It was, I could talk about that film for a long time. It was absolutely brilliant. The music um, is haunting. It was very, oh, so, so clever. But the mm. fact that it makes you feel, it mm. makes you feel that. Yeah. That is, that is what I strive to do with the brand is to make you feel something. Um, and I love that about that movie. It's just so incredible. And the other one is um, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, two yeah. quite depressing films, but mm. I think it's, it's really challenging to, to bring a story like that to life. And 12 Years a Slave is a true story. A slave wrote that story. A, a former slave wrote that story. Um, and so, uh, again, the cinematography, the way that it's edited, the sound, um, the pauses, the drawn-out pauses that are really excruciating yeah. to sit through. It's all deliberate. It's designed. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Great examples. I'm, I, like, as you say those, I can think of, you know, the feeling of watching both of those movies. So you're, you're right. It's incredible how they've done that. And you said music before is a huge part of your life. Have you got a go-to album for, you know, when you want to be creative or oh, is it a damn. playlist? <laughs> I've gone off Oh my God. That's, that's, I love this. This is like Desert Island Disc because I've been dreaming about being on that show my whole <laughs> life. I, I've, I've got everything from the nastiest grime to. Um, <laughs> to uh, I'm just imagining you sitting there listening oh, to like Skepta or something like that. I'm the worst, the worst, like nastiest grime to. Uh, I was listening to. Vivaldi Four Seasons the other day um, to, um, yeah, I really, I love folk music. And I yeah. mean folk folk. I mean okay. like fiddly D. Not, like, not like, like Bon Iver or Sufjan Stevens folk, like, like proper folk? Yeah, like proper folk. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love Sufjan Stevens, one of yeah, the best so live I. concerts I ever saw. But yeah, oh, I mean wow, like. Me too. Oh yeah, he's amazing. His but, um, Illinois album is like my favourite album. Okay, Ever, I, think, I, mean, yeah. I can't name his album, but yeah. I could. I definitely remember experiencing the balloons falling down from the yeah, opera. amazing onto my head, which was <laughs> a super experience. But yeah, I just, um, I just like the variety. I was, I was exposed to to music production in my youth, and uh, it was so creative seeing um, seeing music cut up and recreated. Um, into new music and um, it's kind of stayed with me ever since and there's great music out there and I remember when I would only like listen to one genre and then I started hanging out with these musicians and they would sit down and play Phil Collins but seriously and mm. show, show me all these different genres of music and how fantastic um, they were built. So I will listen to you know, pentangle, folk music, John Renburn to, um, yeah, uh, grime and <laughs> everything in between. Um, I was just saying um, to a member of staff that I want to do a show and tell Elvis. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> and they looked at me like, what? And I was, yeah, no, because it's just, the thing is with music is it, it, it drags with it all of this 
other stuff so Mm. politics and um culture and what's happening in the world at that moment and you know it's just a beautiful thing to hear uh and so yeah I wanted to do a show and tell on that moment that um Elvis sort of reinvigorated his career I don't know if you've ever seen it but it's the most amazing the most amazing video on YouTube is in a black leather shirt black leather pants and he's just acoustic with a guitar and he is makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Okay, oh, wow. just, I'll, I'll find it and if I'll, I'll check it's the right one with you and I'll uh, I'll put it in the show notes because we can't we can't oh, please do. Yeah, we can't not. You've alluded to it now, so I have to have oh. to include it. So, what's your favorite album or record cover then? Is that my is that favorite? Oh. Oh, there's so many, but I'm not going to, um, one of the reasons I became a designer was because I loved Grace Jones album covers. So they were so graphic. They were like the, if you, they're kind of like cut and paste. Um, and I think that was really cool when I saw these kind of exaggerated heads that she'd uh, got mm. in the album cover or her body contorted into these amazing shapes. Yeah. I'm looking at um, them now. They just they were they they were they were starting to become graphics for me, um, and uh, the Sex Pistols album cover, just the whole like punk scene, it just cut and pasted it itself together. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good album covers, but that's a Grace Jones album covers are one of the one of the inspirations that um, you know pointed me towards graphic design. And it's just oh. brought the two loves together, I suppose. Yeah. And um, what are some of your favourite books? Favourite books. So one of my favourite books is The Descent of Man by Grayson Perry. And Grayson Perry is a transvestite potter um, who's an artist in Britain. And he's an incredibly inspiring um, individual he um, stands for making art for the people. And um, this book is about masculinity and it's about what it is, how it operates and why little boys are thought to be made of slugs and snails. Um, and that whole idea that they've, they've been programmed to be this way and actually we're looking at the whole thing the wrong way. So it's just as much a book about femininity as it is about masculinity but um, it's really clever because Grayson Perry, as a transvestite, he kind of he has this alter alter ego, which is a woman. So he's um, got this duality that he can see the world through the lens of a man and a woman, and he writes so eloquently, yeah, and wow. it's a really inspiring book. Um, so that's one of my favourite books, and. Um, Win Without Pitching is a really good business book. Love it. I think that's probably, yeah. Yeah, I saw Blair Ends down in Sydney. I saw him up in, up here for an Agda thing and then I went down to a course. Yeah, it's a brilliant book. Brilliant. It doesn't matter what subject you specialise in or yeah. what business you do. It's it's one that I refer to a lot. And yes. um, I really uh, I think he's, it, it's a great book to share. Um I'm I'm currently reading um, the biography of Jonathan Van Ness, which is kind of a 
wildcard one for you. Um, so he's the hairdresser from Queer Eye. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and you may wonder why I'm reading about the biography of a hairdresser from Queer Eye, but he, he's had such a transformative uh, life story. And I really like reading about transformation. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the books I'm reading at the moment. And I'm, I'm a big sucker for reading a music biography. Yeah. I yeah. just I, I like that. I like it's such an unusual job to be, you know, a star of music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting to read people's stories of how they, how they got there and how, you know, the journey to get there. So, yeah, Jimi Hendrix's biography was the last one I read and that, that was really interesting. Yeah, cool. It's a good list. So thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I've got a few closing questions. So I think you actually touched on this one before, but who's someone remarkable that you know that we should speak to? Well, definitely Barbara Harkness. She's uh, had a really interesting journey with from being a graphic designer to an artist. Um, I thought about three people that um, – would be good to refer to. One is Justin Moran. Justin Moran is the owner of the Hidden Sea and he, um, he's got more energy um, than anything I've ever met before. He'll just bounce off the walls. He's a really exciting guy and he's had, he's probably you know, like a cat with nine lives. He's, I think he's probably on his, he's definitely on his tenth life. He's, <laughs> That's he's, a great way to describe something. <laughs> That guy, he's. I, I spoke to him the other day, and I was like, "You're like the Terminator. You just never give up." And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's really, he's really rewarding. Yeah, um, you might have to bleep out a few of your. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're okay with that. Of Justin, um, and I have a an artist friend called Alexia Sinclair. So she's a digital artist, and uh, she does an incredible um, amount of Photoshop, and um, she also creates her own clothes uh, to shoot in these recreations of history. So, um, yeah, I was, I modeled for one of her um, projects and um, it's, it's absolutely incredible process to be part of. And she's, she's got a, a, a huge fan base and yeah, she's an Australian digital artist. So I think you, the three, three inspiring people for you. Well, yeah, I'd love to speak to all three. That's awesome. And what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, my favorite. So my favorite quote, I, I say it a lot in the studios, you have to know the rules to break them. And I don't know who said that quote, but it is very helpful to, um, it's been helpful to work with. But I've actually got a poem for you, yeah, cool. um, which, which is actually something that, I have lent on um, throughout the last sort of 10 years is, is, is definitely, uh, you know, starting a business on the other side of the world is, is at times challenging and you do things that you've never done before and, you, you know, it doesn't come with instructions. You're sort of um, trying things out and learning as you go. So uh, there's a short poem um, that comes to mind. Come to the edge, he said. We can't, we're afraid, they responded. Come to the edge, he said. We can't, we will fall, they responded. Come to the edge, he said. 
And so they came and he pushed them and they flew. And I just love that poem for the fact that everyone has fear about doing something, but you've got to, you've got to just trust that you're going to fly in those moments um, because there's so much to learn from, you know, getting it wrong, but you, you've just got to push yourself and get to the edge and, and, um, I love that. And yeah. Thanks for sharing it's that. Been, that's yeah. Thank you. Welcome. It's just really helped me. And so I thought I'd share it. And finally, so, so thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, but where can people learn more about you? So they can follow me on Instagram. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, the co-partnership website, or they can give me a call, which is my favorite thing. If they <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> nice. Well, Zoe, thanks again. It was awesome talking to you. And yeah, I'm really excited to share this conversation. Thanks, Dan. It's lovely to be part of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of DSR Branding Presents. To learn more about the guests or the things discussed, head to our website, dsrb.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoyed it, please let me know and spread the word by sharing it with a friend. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. DSR Branding exists to inspire people to love what their work represents. I hope that this episode has inspired you to think differently.